It's college basketball. Basketball? Basketball! Did I do basketball? No, I play basketball, snowboarding, more basketball. We did win the basketball game. Welcome to the third episode of the Daily Bounce. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Golden. We got Charlie Goldsmith here, got Peter Warren, got Ryan Wayman here on the ones and twos. How you guys doing today? I'm doing good. Didn't have a good day as Peter though, right? Today is a great day. Every day is a great day when you're here. I heard you with the archives. I did go to the archives, and there's nothing more invigorating in the entire planet than going to the archives for a few hours and enjoying the history of this university. The entire archives, correct. I think the only thing that's more invigorating than that is two Northwestern wins in the past couple of days. So we're gonna break that. We're gonna break that down in the podcast today. Uh, we're gonna start with the Rutgers game. Charlie, what do you think of the game on Friday and the way Northwestern played? Wait a second. Let's recap. Despite Rutgers missing its leading scorer, who's a guy whose name I don't really know, but he was out, and apparently he was important. Um, Northwestern uh, had some, like, resolve down the stretch uh, when the game got close uh, for the first time really all season. Like, they pulled away from uh, DePaul really easily. Uh, Illinois was, like, less – there were less high-stress possessions than there were against Rutgers just because the pace was so slow. And Ryan Taylor emerged from that with two huge threes, the biggest shots that he's hit all season – um, when Northwestern was really struggling for a stretch there with uh, less than four minutes to go, uh, the offense was stagnant the first time all season. Someone was able to pull Northwestern out of that. And Peter, just adding one to that, what did you think about Northwestern's ability to respond to um, to Rutgers? Rutgers had a couple of runs in the second half where they closed the gap. What did you think about Northwestern's ability to respond to those runs? I think it was really great to see. We have talked previously about sort of closing games has been a recurring theme this year. A lot of times, Northwestern has struggled to do it. There's been a few times, the Illinois game, really the one before this where they really came down the stretch and made you know very big clutch plays to win the game. And I think the two three-pointers from Ryan Taylor were really the key shots of the game on for multiple reasons. Number one, they put the Cats, first put the Caps from up one to up four, which is major, then pretty much pulling the game away, about up seven or eight with the second one. Although another reason, you're finding another guy who is feeling clutch and feeling confident at the end of games with a shot. A.J. Turner was someone who earlier in the year, it didn't look like he you know, was feeling confident with the ball at the end of the games. Now we see him comfortable running the offense as, as time winds down. We saw it you know, against Rutgers, against Indiana, where he's not afraid to go into a pick and roll with him and Parton instead of giving it off and trying to force something. And also, just to get Ryan Taylor shooting the ball well, another recurring theme this year has been him not shooting the ball particularly well, seeing him not only look clean on those shots, but also hitting them and hitting them confidently in big moments. That can be a key going forward as the Northwestern team looks to make it into the tournament. I think it was really important also in the game the way that um, the way that the bench really contributed in the game. I mean, M- Miller, Cop, and Pete Nancy, you know, the two freshmen going out for 15 points off the bench. You had Anthony Gage adding nine points. Um, I think, although I think he actually did he start? I can't remember if he started, but, but anyway, he's normally a bench player. He had a, he added a spark. Even Barrett Benson kind of came in there. Barrett Benson had a three pointer. Well, Benson started this game. Didn't he? he he did start the game. He had a three pointer. They had a lineup with Benson and Pardon. I don't know if that really worked necessarily, but uh, but you know Chris Collins wanted to try it and. Uh, Charlie, realistically, do you think that if Northwestern had lost this game, do you think that would be a wrap on their season? Well, definitely. I mean, that's the exact same thing happened in Northwestern when they lost to Rutgers last season. It kind of felt like it was it. Um, but I really, I really, I was like admired. I don't know if that's the right word, but I really respected how Chris Collins was willing to take that risk and put out a lineup that Peter's been calling for the team to play all season but hasn't had much experience uh, together. And now that Benson Parton lineup <clears throat> is one of their 
eight, nine best lineup or eight, nine most used lineups in the past five games. It's a lineup that, despite limited spacing with Gaines, Pardon, and Benson all in there in that lineup, that's being really effective offensively. Pardon and Law have really high usage when that lineup's out there, which is a good sign. Because um, obviously those are Northwestern's best two players, so the results are positive so far from like the first huge risk that Collins has taken this season with Vic Law healthy. So, and Peter, just overall, Vic Law obviously was two for ten. Uh, what what do you think about his performance? Do you think that he's that you know his injury is still bothering him? And how do you think um, Chris Collins can try to incorporate him back in the offense? I assume I would assume his injury is still bothering him. I mean, the way Collins described it, where he said, I believe the word was immobile after the Iowa game about two weeks ago. If you're immobile and you're playing about, you know, 10, 12 days later, I mean, there's going to be, you're not going to be 100% unless there's something else going on. Collins really hyped it up. I think, you know, Vic has been so, before the Iowa game, really, before Michigan State game, he had been so excellent for the entire season that him having these struggles shouldn't be that surprising. Nobody's gonna have. Nobody ever has a perfect season. Nobody ever plays every game to a, you know, a ten out of ten outstanding level. I think having them in the middle of the year here is the best time to have it. Where we can have guys like you know Pardon, we're seeing Taylor, we're seeing Turner, we're seeing especially Gaines. These guys step up and sort of get into their their sort of rhythms and sort of find their shots. So when Vic does get back at that, you know, when he's one hundred percent healthy, when he's one hundred percent, you know, playing his best. You can look at those other guys and say, they have the experience now, they can make the shots, and it just makes the whole team better. See, what was interesting is we expected one of those players to step up against Indiana, but a guy who none of us expected to step up, or maybe I didn't at least, was Aaron, I didn't. Was, was, was I didn't I expected. Did. Aaron Falzone, 21 points, 6 for 7, shooting three-pointers. Uh, I mean, he, I mean he, was, he was incredible in the first half, and the second half kind of sparked Northwestern's offense, and they were kind of stagnant. Um, Charlie, what do you think about... I mean, Aaron Falzone, his ability to score. The shocking thing was that he was the fearless shooter, not Romeo Langford, who's uh, lit up college basketball this season, averaging about 18 a game, who's projected to be one of the best players attacking the rim in college basketball and who takes hard shots and makes them consistently. Falzone went up to him all across the board. I mean, 21 points, 6 for 7 from behind the arc, added those last three points on a three-point attempt where he got fouled, putting one up. <clears throat> I mean, he was an efficient offensive option, which was just weird to watch. Uh, but it wasn't weird, though. I just want to give a, I just want to give a shout-out to, to our producer, Spin the Ones and Twos, Ryan Wangman, predicted and put Aaron Falzone on the last podcast, and he went off. So yeah. what does that say moving forward? Uh, that means we should talk a lot about Pete Nance on this podcast. Pete's my guy, and he's going to have that quick recovery, and that means that Ryan's a genius. So, so Peter, talk, speaking speaking of Pete Nance, obviously uh, he's sidelined with, with, um, with an undisclosed injury. Um, Chris Collins said he's going to be out for a long time. Do you think Falzone has – you think who do you think is going to step in in Nance's place? I know he's not a huge guy offensively, but who do you think is going to step up for them uh, offensively? I think you'd have to look at Falzone. I mean, this man just scored 21 points against uh, a team that's struggling at the moment in Indiana, but a team that has you know top-tier talent. And I think when you look at it, the difference between Falzone and Nance is that Falzone is a pure shooter. As I see Nance, Nance more as an athletic big who's more of a driver and can more, you know, create his own while Falzone relies on others. The big key is, you know, Nance, even though we, you know, we all view him as sort of this, you know, high-flying guy, he shot more than half of his shots have been three-pointers this year, and he's not been shooting them well at all. So if we expect Falzone to sort of get back to that level he was three years ago when he was a freshman, 
and he really shoots the ball well, and he contributes. I mean, he's a guy you can look at down the stretch. I think he, you might be want to put him in some of those, you know, end of game lineups instead of maybe maybe even gains if you want some shooting in there. Do you think that Collins needs to continue? How do you think Collins can continue to get these role players more involved in the offense? Well, I mean, first of all, that like it's weird that that is a problem because it shouldn't be because Northwestern has like nine guys and one of them, Bear Pen- or two of them, Bear Bunsen and uh, Ryan Gridge, don't shoot. So it's interesting that guys like Pete and Miller and Aaron in the prior six minutes he's played this season haven't been just given like four shots and said like go do whatever you want with these. Like it's something NBA teams do all the time. Like hey Trevor Ariza, go get us a bucket. But you're Trevor Ariza, like you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> but I uh, no seriously, I think that. Like, again, I was talking about Collins taking risks earlier. Falzone playing him was obviously a risk. I could see that continuing uh, in a loaded Big Ten as NU just keeps trying to, like, just keep up with the rest of the league, saying we, we know thing A won't work. Why don't we try thing B? And maybe thing B is point Miller cop. Like, who knows what we're going to see next for the rest of the season. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're Chris Collins, you've got to feel really excited about the fact that, like, Vic Law, like, two, two straight games where Vic Law has not really showed up and their offense has come through in different ways, but it's been different from different people. It's got to be a good look going forward, knowing that they can rely on other people to get their offense going. Um, Peter, now they've, now they've won two straight games in the Big Ten. Um, what do you think their outlook is moving forward? Do you think they have a chance to really climb up the Big Ten and have a chance of making the tournament? Oh, definitely. I mean... Not the, not, not the Big Ten. I was hoping it was the Big Ten, but the, the, uh, the one after that. The big one. <laughs> the big one? We're not talking about the NIT, right? Not the NIT. Let's hope we're not talking about the NIT. Hey, NIT would be fun, but obviously the NCAA tournament. I mean, we talked about this last week. What didn't the Wildcats sort of needed for their tournament hopes? It was not, not just wins, but also high-profile wins. Albeit, this was a team that was unranked. Albeit, this was a team that was at home. Indiana is still a marquee name in college basketball, especially with a guy like Romeo Langford, you know, leading the team. And Jawan Morgan is, you know, a heck of a player as well. Who's, who's bad on Tuesday? He yeah, had, yeah. like, what, like 16 points? I have it pulled up here. He had, like, uh, just one second. He's, uh, he's a big, he stretches the floor as well. He's out of the three-point shot this season. But he has Northwest with pardon on him. He had 18, but I took him 15 shots. Um... I mean, Pardon clearly won that matchup. Uh, it's going to be really important for Pardon to keep winning matchups. Look at this weekend against Wisconsin. Um, but Pardon, like, Morgan's considered a second-round prospect, and Pardon just took him to work. So. I mean, I'm really interested to see how he'll fare against. I know, I know, looking forward, Ethan Hat. We'll get into more of that later. But um, I just, I'm just really interested to see. Pardon has really played well against some of these high-profile big. I'm really interested to see how how he'll continue to to um, improve and play well against them um, defensively. Because I know Northwestern the past couple games played really well defensively. They held Indiana to 38 percent from from the, from with field goals, and then from the three-point line they were 19 percent. So they they did a really good job of controlling their um, their play offensively. Um, we're going to take a break, uh, and then we're gonna, when we come back, we're going to debut a new game. Uh, you're going to hear from the man who spins the ones and twos, Ryan Wayman. Uh, we'll be back in a second. Nope. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. Cut the commercial. Cut the commercial. What about commercial? We're at commercial. Commercials. Commercial. You like that commercial? I love those commercials. <laughs> Welcome back to the Daily Bounce. We're going to debut a new game. I'm a little bit nervous. Last week I was shut out. Charlie got two points. Peter got two points. And I got no, I got no points. I got one point. I only had one point. No, but well, you, 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 you got the bonus. Round. Yeah, the bonus yeah, yeah. round. So, but Charlie won. Charlie I'm, out, won. I'm out for some revenge and some redemption. We have Ryan Wangman here, our producer, spinning the ones and twos. And he's going to be here to run us through this new game. 
Yeah, so the, this new game, again, this is the weekly spot. For these first few weeks, we're going to rotate the games. We're going to keep debuting new games, and then we'll bring back the old ones. You know, your favorites. You know, send us some comments. Let us know which ones you like the most. But this last, week... Last week was not a favorite. Just, last week was not a favorite of Andrew's, but it was a favorite of mine. Uh, this week, courtesy of Peter Warren, we have a, a great new game called Over Under. <laughs> and the way this game works is I will provide a... A, an over-under, and then I will provide a, a stat. So, you know, you'll see how this works in a second. There will be no example round. Um, Real quick, Peter's going to win this because he's a gambler. Yeah, he, he, but, he, and he cheated. He gave you the game. You he gave me the game, but you know what? I think you all have an equal shot at this at this game. So all you have to do, I'm going to go to each of you. <laughs> I got shut out last time. I just let Peter choose the game. I but, hey, hey, no, you all get a chance to answer each question. That's the biggest difference okay. about this Hold game. On. Where were you during the brainstorming session? At... He was missing. He was missing, he was apparently. Missing. I'm not going to lie, listener. There was no brainstorming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so pretty simple. So all you have to do is tell me if the actual stat is over or under the listed stat. Um, and that's all you have to do. We're going to go through 10 rounds. If there is a tie at the end of the, ta- uh, the 10th round, there is an 11th tiebreaker round. Okay? I will provide the source and the this, the real stat uh, after you've all guessed. You said the 11th tiebreaker round? The, there's, there's a tiebreaker round if after 11 you are tied. If I go through 10 rounds without getting a point... Ooh, it'd like, be tough since there are only two options. Okay. And you all get a chance like, to answer. It's like it's like a true false. It's like okay, true I, false, but over under. All right, all, right, all, right. all right. It's like a one in two million shot that you get zero out of ten by the way. All right, right, all right. I'm good. The ones and twos, man. Ones yeah. and twos. Are we ready for the game? Maybe. Yes. Let's get it going. <laughs> Your first over under, the number is three hundred forty-two. And the stat is division one basketball teams. I'll give you a second to think, and then I'll go to each of you for over or under. Charlie, we're going to start with you. Over. Peter? Over. Andrew? Over. That is correct. It is 351 teams per Wikipedia, and while my English teacher might say that that is not a correct source, uh, we're going to go with it. 351 (laughs) teams. I couldn't find a a better source for that information. I know it is, for a fact, over 342. So congrats. You all are tied with one point. On to the second round. Uh, Over under. The number is six, and the stat line is... Big Ten teams with one or fewer home losses. And listener, we're recording this on Thursday night before the Michigan State-Iowa game. I think that's tonight. Home losses on the season? Home losses on the season. And the over-under is six. We're going to go reverse order this time. Andrew, I need an answer. I'm going to say over. Peter? I'm going to say under. And Charlie? I'm going to say over. The answer was over. There are seven teams with one or fewer home losses, and that is Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Indiana. Minnesota. So and Does Northwest only have one home loss? Northwestern has three. Three. My bad. Has, you said less. Never mind. One or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got Andrew, Charlie tied with two, and Peter is in the basement with one. On to the third round. Over, under, four and a half. Ooh. Ranked Big Ten teams. <laughs> Ranked Big Ten teams again. The stat line is four and a half over or under Charlie. Ask me first. Uh, under. Over. Under. It's under. Yes. And so you both got it right in that yes. one? Yes. So it is three to three to Peter's sad one. 
And we are through three questions, um, but there's still time to make it up. You could still get back in this game. Now you start thinking. All right, over under for the fourth round. The stat line is one and a half, and the stat is Northwestern players ranked in the top 20 in the Big Ten in scoring. Over or under? Andrew? Under. Peter? What's the number? One and a half. In top 20? In the top 20. Over. By far. By far? It's oh, over I, as well. The top 20 is scoring? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Dick and Charlie. Charlie. Man. Well, Charlie? that's not by far. Over. And that is correct. Over is correct. It is, in fact, Vic Law and Derek Pardon, both in the what? top 20 in the Big Ten in scoring. I only know that because I was researching for an article and it came Nerd. from archives. And archives? Archives? Website, website. <laughs> and now it's a an even 4-3-2. Again, that's Charlie in the lead, followed by Andrew, and sadly in last is Peter. All right, to the fifth round. Over, under. The stat is, or the line, excuse me, is two and a half. And the stat is number of Northwestern players who have hit six three-pointers in a game this season. Charlie, it's to you. Under. What's the number again? Two and a half. Peter? Charlie, you said under. Under. Over. Under. The answer is over. Wow, and just in case you're curious, can I can I guess? Can I guess? The three, sure. It's three. It's foul zone. It's t- it's Turner. It's Turner at, uh, against Illinois, and it's Vic Law some game earlier in the year. Incorrect. Ryan oh, wow. Taylor was the third one. I knew it was Ryan Taylor. So which it's, which game? It's getting close. Uh, I'll have to okay, dig into the archives is after. Cool. Is, is it the Binghamton game? What, we'll have to dig into the off. archives after the show. We will provide you with the answer, loyal listener, next week. Um, so through five rounds, it is very tight. Charlie is at four, and Andrew and Peter are tied at three. Peter with the comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Not, not yet. Not yet. All right. The sixth round, over-under, is at 12, and the stat is Vic Law's career scoring average. Over or under? Andrew? Oh, it was over last week. Over. <laughs> over. Over. You're all wrong. Oh my gosh, that was, feels great. I it was last know. week. I, I looked last week and it was like 12.3. It was a close. Uh, it's under and it's 11.4 over his Ooh. four seasons. That freshman year of seven point something really dragged really it down. Okay, seventh round. Still same score line. No one got that one correct. Over under, the line is 20 and a half, and the stat is the margin in the Cats' biggest loss this season. Way under. Under. So in a game we lost. In a game we lost. lost by. What, what, how much we lost by? Yes. That is, that what, is what, the question. 20 and a half. 20 and a half is the line. Oh, over. What was Michigan State? Over. Michigan State was 26. Yeah, it's over. That is correct. Wow, there's some celebration going on. We have a tie <laughs> ball game. That's huge. And so now it is four to four to four going into the final three questions. Hold on tight to your seats, listeners. After this commercial break. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. Cut the commercial. Cut the commercial. What about commercial? We're at commercial. Commercials. Commercial. You like that commercial? I love those commercials. And welcome back to the Daily Bounce. We're at the last three rounds of our game, tied 4-4 all. Uh, Ryan, back to you. 
All right, again, eighth round. Uh, the score line is all knotted up at four. And these last three are not easy. So if you're listening along at home, good luck. All right, this stat li- the stat line is four and a half, and the stat is number of Northwestern players who hail from Illinois. I need like a pencil. Um, there's no pencils allowed. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> just your brain. No, just no, your no, brain. Let's try to go first. Let's try to go first. No, it's, it's definitely my turn. Uh, uh, can I ask a clarification? Or no, yeah. you go first. Wait, 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 what's wait, your clarification? Scholarship players or total players? That's a very this is total players. Total players. Total players. Total players. This is on the roster. Four and a half. That's Four and a half is the line. Andrew, I need your answer. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Under. Petey? A fantastic question. Oh, thank you. Fantastic <laughs> question. Oh. I do need an answer though. Your flattery won't work on me. Oh, give me. Oh. In five, four, three. Over. Two. Under. The answer is under. It is four. We've got Tino Malnati, Barrett Benson, Jordan Ash, and Vic Law. So. Pete falls behind, but there's still two questions left. There's still the tiebreaker round. All hope is not lost. You're not mathematically eliminated yet. Just like the cats. Um, All right, ninth round, over, under. The stat line is 80, and the stat is ESPN scout grade for top-rated 2019 recruit Robbie Baran. Under. Over. Oh, wait, wait. Does under mean, like... Like, I think he's less than 80. Like, 79, 60. Yes, that's what so, it means. Yeah, you right, think the grade right. is higher or lower? You think it's... So it's under. I think he's closer to one. Yes. Okay. Under. Over. Over. The answer is over. His scout grade is 83. ESPN's 100th best recruit in the class. So that means... I'm leading. You're leading? I'm leading with six. Six to five to five, going into the final question. This would be a massive win for Andrew. I know, I can't blow this, I can't blow this, I can't blow this. Again. So whatever, pretty much, he goes, for, and he's going first, too. He is so going first. he says, we have to say the opposite. This okay. Is, it's really, really, to put the pressure on Andrew, this is Andrew versus the world right now. <laughs> if he messes up, that means we go to a, a tiebreaker. If he gets it correct, And I will say, tiebreaker is very hard. The over-under. Can he deal with is the pressure? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. And the stat is number of Northwestern players who have scored at least 30 total points on the season. Okay, okay. Your time starts now. And listeners, for, for those of you at home who can't see this, uh, <laughs> Peter and Charlie are, are throwing up the hands. It's as if he's shooting a free throw and uh, they're trying to distract him. Over. They're going to go over. Is eight and a half. Yeah. I have to go under anyway. <laughs> the stat is eight. It's under. tiebreaker. <laughs> no. And here are the eight for your listening pleasure. Vic Law, Derek Pardon, Ryan Taylor, AJ Turner, Anthony Gaines, Miller Cop, Pete Nance, and Barrett Benson. I knew. And so now with each of our hosts tied at six, we will go to the tiebreaker round. All right, everybody, I'm going to need you to get something that we can write on around this room. No I pencils, I heard. There's no pencils. All right, I'm going to need some written proof. Actually, everybody, get out the notes section on your phone. I'm going to ask a question that has a three-number answer, 
and you are going to all write your answer on your phone and then simultaneously, at the same time, show me your answer. Are you ready? I thought Ryan Greer is going The tiebreaker round is Northwestern's winning percentage this season to three decimal places. I'll give you about 30 seconds to think about it. Listeners, this is a very hard question. Even if these boys know Northwestern's record, to get it down to the three decimal places requires some intense mental math. I hope they're not cheating and using calculators right now. That would be against the fun of the game. But it's a very funny sight here. Andrew is doing math in the air. I just picked three random numbers. Pick three random numbers. That's also a strategy. Again, if no one hits it exactly, it is who is the closest, regardless of if you go over or under. Huh, get it. <laughs> um, I'm going to need your answers in about 10 seconds. So pull up the note section on your phone and let us see what you've got. Um, I will read, or actually you can read your answers uh, so that the listening public may know what your answer was and I will tell you the exact number and who is the winner in five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Lock in your answers and show them to me and we will have you read them out. And Andrew, what do you got? Uh, 614. 63.9. 63.9. Wait, that's not how it works. You got three numbers. 63.9%. 63.9%? The correct answer was 63.632%. So that means Peter is the winner! Ladies and gentlemen, I think we have a winner. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We have a winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Pete, how are you feeling right now? Well, at first I did the math before the Indiana game, and I had that one locked in, ready to go. So it was just really a, really a guess at the end. But also, you know, I did this for all the fans out, out back home in Jersey. You know, nobody, if, they, if it was over under 0.5, it would have been zero for the roster, but I respect it. It's good stuff. Now, shall we talk some Wisconsin boys? Let's talk some Wisconsin Let's go boys. disco. I just want to say... For the record, Peter did come up with the game. He did cheat. Anyway, all right. Now we're gonna now we're gonna preview the Wisconsin game. Huge game for Northwestern. Looking to go on a three-game win streak. Um, Charlie, what do you think the keys to Northwestern success? Well, it's it's Derek Partner and Ethan Happ. He, Peter wrote a story today uh, previewing the game, which will be up on the DailyNorthwestern.com uh, Thursday night. <clears throat> I see that plug. You see that plug? <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Happ is one of the most special offensive players I've seen uh, in college basketball in a while. He's a big man who brings up the ball all the time, who deals with double teams better than anyone I've ever seen. He'll either back you down, wait for the double, and then throw a skip pass to a wide open player, or he'll do a scatter of moves with his right or his left, going around you, going over top of you. Uh, Derek Parton has two moves. Ethan Happ is about 40, 47. Uh, but Derek's the ideal player to guard Happ. He's, uh, he's got the build, the strength. Uh, it's been a fascinating matchup when they've played over the past few seasons. Now, Peter, I know you're a big proponent of the Pardon and Benson lineups. Ethan has a big guy. What do you think about what do you think about a starting lineup with Pardon and Benson in the game? It wasn't really effective in the, in the Rutgers game, but it was a little bit better. Um, against Indiana, what do you think about that lineup? I think there's a decent chance we might not see it 
you know, as starting. But I expect to see that lineup a lot, especially you look at Happy six ten. They start two guys over six ten with Happ and uh, Nate uh, Rovers, their their sophomore forward, and. You look at Northwestern's lineup, especially now with Nance out, you know, a 6'10 guy. You know, Falzone isn't isn't as big as Nance. You're going to have to play some big man against him. And, you know, we got our, the other 6'10 guy on the squad, uh, Ryan Young, you know, who's redshirted. So I expect to see a lot of not only, you know, quality minutes, highly efficient minutes from that pairing, especially if you can have get Benson some good touches in the post. My, my quick response to that is that I'd be worried, perhaps also one of the best foul drawers in the country, I'm worried you get uh, Pardon and Benson both in foul trouble. Yeah, Benson, and then Benson, it's uh, with, Pete Law, or with Pete Nance out as well, then you got Vic Law and uh, Ethan Happ, which would be so much fun to watch. But Not for enough Northwestern yeah. fans, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think in the past two games, uh, Charlie... Ryan Taylor made some clutch shots against Rutgers, against um, Indiana. Obviously, Aaron Falzone made some shots. Who do you think is going to be the guy who steps up in this game against Northwestern and make some shots that, you know, if Big Wall's not having the game that we wanted to have? So, uh, Wisconsin's interesting that they have a really big front court, as Peter mentioned. They have a really small back court. Uh, their point guard's bus cut Brad Davison, a legend. Um, he's he's probably shorter than six foot, six foot tall. He's a guy who, like, tries to get into you defensively. He does the same thing offensively, but he's not an explosive athlete. And then at the two, they've got him, Dimitri Trice, who's, like, shooting 50% from three this year. Uh, and he's a high motor. His brother, Travis Trice, was a star somewhere in the Big Ten, I forget where. Uh, but it was just Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yeah. State yeah. Um, but uh, those are two six-foot-tall players. Uh Northwestern's interesting. I just like did some research. Saw Northwestern's the 11th tallest starting lineup in the country, which is interesting. Um, especially at the guard spots, that's where Northwestern has such a major size advantage. Uh, so to answer your question, Turner really used that size advantage against Illinois' guards. They start two guys around six foot, six foot two as well. Um, so he's going to have so much room and so much separation that I could see like a wing being put on. Uh, t- uh, Taylor just because he's been more dangerous lately, and then Turner just having a lot of space. And Peter, do, do, you, do you agree with that sentiment? Do you think, who else do you think is going to step up for Northwestern offensively? I think that's a great point. I mean, you mentioned we've seen Turner more often than, you know, than Taylor at the guard spot try to post up when he's on a smaller guy. I hope we see a lot of that in the game. Because not only that, if we get if we get Hap outside the paint, you know, we can be a, little defense, a bit of a defensive mess, get both their, their big guys, you know, outside the paint, work a little bit more of an inside-out, and get Turner some touches, they could be able to get some easy opportunities and also possibly some good chances to swing the ball for threes. So what do you think the score of the game is going to be? Give me 67-59 cats. On the road. Wow, that's big. All right, Charlie. I think Northwestern's going to win as well. I'm going to be like 60 or 55. I think Northwestern's going to put up a good effort, but... I, I hate to go against Northwestern, but I, on the road, I think Ethan Happ, like you said, can get the big man foul throw pretty early. I think we'll have a big game. I think Wisconsin wins uh, 61 to 54. That's the best news Northwestern's heard all week. You can use his motivation. No, you haven't been. You have not won a game yet of our two games. You've lost both. You are currently 0 and 2. <laughs> when have you been right so far? You're just gonna be wrong again. Andrew's been right. I can't think of an example, but like he's right a bunch. I'm just, look, just, look, no, he's right look, a bunch. I, I, I oh. hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope this is this is like over under. That's right. Yeah, I'm wrong. Even happens not John Teske out there. He's not John Teske. He's not John Teske. John Teske. He's that name anymore. But anyway, um, Charlie, Peter, and I are gonna take a road trip to to watch the game on Saturday. Uh, hopefully Northwestern pulls out a W. 
Um, but before- we have another segment coming up right here on uh, the Daily Bounce. Uh, we have an interview with Sam Vecini, an NBA draft writer, and we'll get to that up next. I am live in the newsroom here at the Daily Bounce. I'm joined over the phone by NBA draft writer Sam Vecini, who covers all of the hoops over at The Athletic, and he also hosts the Game Theory podcast. Northwestern's Vic Law is not quite as exciting to talk about as John Morant or Brandon Clark, but over the course of the season, he's been making a stage, or he's been making a stance as a quality NBA draft prospect. Sam, thanks for, on the po- thanks for coming on the podcast to talk about him. Yeah, man, happy to come on. So Law has a long-standing reputation as a defensive player, uh, first and foremost, on those Brad McIntosh teams that made the tournament. Uh, was it his growth on the offensive end that led to him making the leap from unranked to 60th on your last board? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest with you. I think I probably was somewhat over-aggressive on putting him at number 60. He's certainly a top 100 prospect that I'm really interested in, if only because he's, you know, 6'6", 6'7", has a 7-foot wingspan, a strong defensive player who can guard up and down the lineup, Um, you know, always a guy who can, uh, you know, protect the weak side of the rim a little bit from the wing, uh, gets into passing lanes, uh, dissuades penetration within Northwestern's scheme. The offensive leap has been really exciting, though. Uh, I was a lot more excited whenever he was shooting a higher percentage from three. Uh, he's really, really struggled over Northwestern's uh, last six games, so his last mm-hmm. five games. But uh, I think that I feel okay about him being a really good shooter. If you go back over the course of you know the last two seasons prior to this one, and he's taken about you know. 250 to 300 threes, knocking down at like a 39% clip. Uh, good catch and shoot guy, not necessarily someone who's going to do a crazy amount off the bounce, but um, it's just kind of the prototype that the NBA is looking for right now. They're looking for guys who can be long, guard multiple positions, who can knock down shots from distance, uh, and Vic Law does a lot of that. So his production has definitely dropped. Has definitely dropped his Big Ten play. Uh, has been going on, uh, starting off with an injury, an injury that we couldn't get any more specificity on, a lower body injury. Um, he missed. He missed an entire season. He had surgery in the off season to correct a uh, lung issue to suppose to improve his stamina. Is there an injury track record with him that's concerning, or is a guy you're taking it in the 50s or signing to a two-way? Do you just overlook that when you when you make that offer? No, I think you're definitely paying attention to it. And to be honest, I think that's probably uh, the number one reason why, uh, looking back, I was a little over-aggressive putting him at number 60. Again, definitely a top 100 kind of guy. Um, once you get into that, like, you know, 60 to, you know, even 120 range, you're talking uh, on the margins more than anything, right? And, and I mm-hmm. like the prototype. I like the archetype of the player that he can be, but – you look in there, definitely some cracks, right? Uh, you know, the injury history is a significant one. Uh, the fact that he uh, still struggles to handle the ball and attack closeouts in a strong, uh, confident manner, I would say, is another one. But, uh, you know, if he can kind of get past those things, there is the outline of a very real NBA player here. So the problem is that when you're looking at the scalability of his game, uh, the tape from his past three seasons is arguably more valuable than we're looking at now. Um, obviously, he's no Jarrett Culver, but it's a similar thing to Jarrett Culver, uh, which you just wrote about in that 
the Jarrett Culver we're going to see in the NBA is more likely to be the Jarrett Culver we saw last season than the Jarrett Culver we're seeing going forward. So just in general, do you think this is a good uh, team context to evaluate Vic Law, or maybe should we be looking back at how he fared in previous seasons? Um, I think it's important to look at the entire package. I don't know that um, I would say that this season is less important than the last one. Uh, I do agree with you that, uh, you know, he's not necessarily playing the role that he'll be playing in the NBA now. I mean, he's counted on to be Northwestern's number one option on offense, which is certainly something he won't be in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, I think it's important to look at the totality of where the growth in his game has come because he has gotten better is a ball handler over the last year. And I think that that is something that uh, is valuable to note uh, when it comes to his scouting, uh, scouting his game. But, uh, you know, you're right in terms of just trying to scout uh, particularly his uh, red shirt sophomore and junior years. Th- those are the years where, you know, you can just easily translate those, uh, those years into being what he will be, uh, what he'll look like in the NBA at least. But, uh, you know, I think it's always important to, you know, look at a guy uh, in his, you know, most immediate pre-draft season and see where his game is because, you know, he, Vic Law has gotten better over the last two years. There's no doubt about that. Clearly, even yeah. if, yeah, even if the role is uh, a little bit different than what it was those two years. So there are some players, like definitely big, that uh, it takes a certain scheme, a certain context to get the most out of their game. Uh, you, you were hinting at this earlier, but is Vic just a guy that you can say plug in on your summer league team and he can help any summer league team win games? Uh, well, I mean, summer league teams are well, you know really trying to win. Yeah, <laughs> um, But no, I agree. Uh, I think that in many ways his skill set is something that you know, most NBA teams, if not all NBA teams, are looking for right. Like the the idea of having a bit, uh, having a guy who's six foot seven with long arms who can shoot it, who can go up the lineup uh, defensively and you know guard guards if he needs to at times. Uh, there's just there's a lot of value there for a large variety of teams because he can be a low usage guy who can provide a lot of value defensively. Um, That's just what a lot of teams with, you know, stars are looking for right now. Part of me feels kind of crazy for putting so much uh, interest in Vic Law's NBA draft stock. But, like, I keep remembering that he is probably pretty clearly going to be Northwestern's best pro prospect of the the decade, the 21st century, et cetera. Uh, Our biggest guy right now is Reggie Hearn, and pretty much all he's done is knock down a couple shots to beat Panama. Um, Just in general, what's your evaluation of Chris Collins as a player development coach? How much of it is recruiting? The reason that Northwestern hasn't gotten many professional players, um, and once Northwestern does get those recruits, how well do you think Collins is bringing out the most of them? Oh man, how dare you disrespect the uh, the NBA prospects of John Sherna, um, Northwestern superstar from when I was in college. Um, no, I think that uh, you know Chris Collins has done a pretty good job there. There's you know nobody. Uh, I think everyone looks at Chris Collins as someone who is figuring things out at Northwestern. It's obviously just a very difficult job due to the academic requirements uh, necessary to get into Northwestern. So, you know, it's kind of the Midwest, like Stanford or Duke in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think Stanford right now is actually going through a pretty similar uh, thing to what Northwestern is. Not Mm -hmm. everyone can be Duke uh, in regard to just kind of getting past the academic, uh, you know, requirements of it all. So, 
when I, when I look at Collins, I, I think he's done a really good job. I think that, you know, he does have a pretty solid track record of getting the most out of guys. Like I think Scotty Lindsay is an example of someone that he got the most out of Bryant McIntosh. Uh, he certainly got the most out of, although I'm not sure McIntosh got like a crazy amount better during his time at Northwestern um, kind of a guy that, you know, was at his level as a freshman and then kind of stayed at that level. Derek Pardon has certainly gotten better during his time at Northwestern. I think he's become a more complete player. Um, you know, you, you can look back through, uh, you know, a few different uh, types of players here. Like Alex Ola was someone that I thought got a lot better uh, after Chris Collins took over. So, you know, I think he's done fine developing talent. I think that uh, he's done a really good job of developing Vic Law's talent and getting him to where he needs to be, um, getting him to where he can be a lead guy on their roster right now. And, you know, if Vic Law is going to not make the NBA, it's just going to be because doesn't quite have the game and doesn't quite have the uh, high-level athleticism that you're looking for from an NBA wing a lot of the time. I don't think it's necessarily going to be because of, uh, you know, Chris Collins holding him back or anything. So what you just about, what you have me thinking about now is the difference between, uh, like, bringing in talent and developing talent, what the coach's role is and all of that. Uh, and you reminded me of freshman Pete Nance. I don't know how familiar you are with Pete. I am. Uh, I, there you go. Uh Obviously, you picked Northwestern over Michigan, which was crazy. I wrote a story about him last year and about how that decision didn't make sense at the time. Pete's obviously going to be missing the rest of the, uh, missing the indefinite, whatever that means for Trey Jones. That might mean a game and a half for Northwestern. Who knows? Uh, he'll be he'll be out indefinitely with a sickness that's been reported to be mono. Uh, and Pete's interesting because he played on a low-level AAU team. He played on a team called the Akron Bobcats, Bobcats with a K. Uh, and even though he was a top 100 prospect, didn't get the same reps that, uh, you know, other guys uh, have been getting uh, other freshmen around the country. Uh, has he just, like, has that been the biggest reason he's struggled so much to start the season before missing this time? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I I don't know that I would say he's struggled for you know what he is like. He's he's, he's shooting twenty eight percent from three. I uh, struggling tracking rotation in a lot of games. He's getting just destroyed out in space. That's the for sure, like you disagree. Yeah, like look, I'm not saying Pete Nance has been a good player. I'm just saying like you know he's a freshman and, and he's a freshman that you know coming into college didn't really have like a super developed skill set. You know, he was more of a, you know, six foot 10 athlete that was going to take some time to develop in college. I always thought, so I don't know that he's necessarily, you know, underperformed for what, uh, what Northwestern was expecting necessarily, but, uh, he's been, he's a guy that I look at long-term that has a real shot. I do think that, uh, it is a little bit concerning that the mono stuff has come up and, uh, that he is going to be out for a little while because he is someone that I think really, really needs the game reps. He really needs to just be out on the floor playing high-level athletes night in, night out against Big Ten competition. Um, but, you know, he's he's someone that, you know, I've talked to now a few Big Ten assistants over the course uh, of the last week or so, and, you know, all of them have mentioned Pete Nance as someone that long-term they look at as, you know, someone who can be a really good player in their league. That has to be exciting to Northwestern fans to hear. Uh, looking back to especially the non-competitive portion of the non-conference schedule, the games against McKendrys and uh, Oral Roberts of the world, um, like him coming on the floor is like one of the like was the 
like definitive attention getter because all he's about to talk he's about to join a three, he's about to do a turn away or turn around fade away shot. Um that brings me to the last question, Sam. Uh, is this too many fun to watch? Is is Northwestern fun to watch? Is, is this team fun to watch? Is, is this a good quality team and a really great conference this year? I mean, I, I don't know if they're fun to watch necessarily. They don't have uh, a ton of floor spacing uh, other than Vic. They don't have um, like a ton of offensive talent. They certainly uh, get the most out of what they have defensively, which is uh, a credit to uh you know, Chris and the coaching staff, but yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily a fun to watch team uh, that, you know, and like uh, in terms of talent, they're not like among the upper echelon of the big 10, what they're, you know, they'd probably be in the bottom four teams in terms of talent right now. Um, says a lot about where the big 10 is and all like, and all reality, but uh, you know, I don't know that they're a fun to watch team, but I don't know that like, I would I wouldn't blame the coaching staff for that either. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they're just not quite uh not quite where they need to be yet. Maybe I don't know, maybe I should blame the coaching staff for that just because they uh you know, they they're the ones that put the roster together. But uh you know, I, I don't think that it's uh you know, I don't think that it's a it's a good or a bad team to watch. They just kind of exist in a lot of ways for what I That's do. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. All right, with that, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Check out Sam's work at The Athletic. I'm specifically going to plug his recent feature on Jackson Hayes for the sole purpose because I played Jackson Hayes uh, when I was uh, in ninth grade before he was six, before he was seven feet tall, six foot ten or whatever, when he was just a six foot tall whatever. Uh, Sam really wrote really well about that transformation. Uh, check him out on the Game Theory podcast. And with that, we'll be back in the newsroom later today with a preview of this weekend's game. All right, that's all for today, Charlie. That was a, that was a great interview. Uh, this is this. I've been your host, Andrew Golden, on the Daily Bounce. Charlie, Peter, thanks for thanks for uh, joining me again. Ryan, thank you for the game. Let's hope I can win next week. Uh, signing off. Follow us or follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and uh, thank you for joining us.